relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Welcome, dear friends. This is America First one-on-one with the true experts, the real newsmakers. We go deep dive to get you the truth about the stories the mainstream media prefers to give you spin and narratives on. Chinese balloons, four vehicles shot down in just a handful of days. What does it all mean? Let's resort to somebody whose analysis on the number one strategic threat to America, we trust implicitly. He's Gordon Chang. Gordon, welcome back to America First one-on-one. Thank you so much, Dr. G. All right, you've got to follow this man right off the bat at Gordon G. Chang. You've got to check out his latest publication, The Great U.S.-China Tech War. But let's start with propaganda, uh, Gordon. Let's start with the... um, the smooth I.O., the information operations that China is engaged in. This is a TikTok video I found yesterday on Monday. I used it on the show, and it's, um, it's pretty good. It is making a mockery of Biden's military actions against the Chinese surveillance vessel. Play cuts. <laughs> So it's a, a CGI um, animation, of course, using stealing the music of Mission Impossible, showing our Raptor air, aircraft uh, dodging around, trying to shoot down the balloon, missing the balloon, turning its camera backwards, taking a photograph of the pilot. I have to start by saying, Gordon, that's, that's pretty slick. That's pretty good uh, information operations. Yes, this is about the third phase of China's propaganda on this. The first phase was to say, we regret the incident and, (laughs) um, you know, it was just a weather balloon. Second phase was to get really upset, um, threaten retaliation. And the third phase has been mockery. Um, The fourth phase, um, which we learned on Monday, was that, oh, the United States has been sending spy balloons over China in 2022, which is obviously untrue. Um, but this 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 very slick um, uh, video is phase three. What does it mean? I, I, I was asked at the weekend on a, on a Twitter Spaces about this 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 multiplicity of official accounts coming out of Beijing. Uh, my answer was, and I'm not the expert you are, that it's pretty much par for the course. First, it's you know dissembling. Oh, that's just a civilian. Uh, weather balloon, as if there is such a thing as a civilian weather balloon in communist China. Then it's escalating all the way to we want an apology and then America did it. This kind of back and forth, this twisting of the narrative every 24 hours, that's pretty usual, isn't it, Gordon? Yes, it is. Um, And this balloon incident shows you um, that quick changes in in, uh, Chinese propaganda. They've been going through a number of them. they're different. They've played at different audiences. Um, but China's actually been fairly effective because you hear a lot of people in the U.S. 
um, parrot a lot of what Beijing has been saying. Now, we'll, um, we've been debating, or the mainstream has been debating, what that first balloon was doing, this massive, this 200-foot balloon, uh, why it was stopping over those various very sensitive sites, such as the, the missile sites. For me, and I'm not an expert on, on satellites, but I, I do understand a little bit about grand strategy and uh, information operations. The issue for me is less the technical capabilities of the platform, because we know they have hundreds of spy satellites with very advanced capabilities in the upper atmosphere. The, the issue more is the probing test of our national security architecture, the lack of response until the first vessel was over the water and had executed its surveillance mission. And then beyond that, the tertiary effect for me is how this ostensibly successful surveillance mission over our sovereign airspace, how that is packaged for those nations China wants to intimidate or bring into its one belt, one road global hegemonic system. It's, it's more the how it is communicated that is uh, rather important than exactly what was picked up. What is, what is your response? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, first of all, um, China learned something from this balloon that it could not from any other platform. And that is it saw the reactions of certain general officers saw the reaction of NORAD and the reaction of the Pentagon leadership in general to an obvious intrusion into American airspace. Um, and so that was invaluable. Um, the other thing is that, of course, its imagery is better on, from a balloon than from a satellite because balloons at 60,000 feet, satellite is what, four or five hundred, maybe even higher, uh, 100,000 feet. The, the thing, though, um, and that is propaganda, which you mentioned. And that is also probably one of the motives that China had, because China was showing to the world that the United States was not capable of defending its own airspace. Um, and really what that narrative could very well end up being is Beijing saying to other countries, look, you got to ditch the U.S., you got to obey China because we're in charge and the Americans are finished. So um, there are any number of different benefits that China could have gotten from this. And we don't know exactly the motives for this, um, but we have to start assuming that uh, what we just talked about are, are some of the things that ran through their minds before they authorized this. And is there any way to connect the response or the lack of robust response from the United States until uh, this weekend to China's putative plans for Taiwan. How, how does, does this connect for any kind of military action that uh, Beijing and the CCP would take against Taiwan? I think that the people in Taiwan should be concerned about the lack of reaction. You've got to remember that this balloon entered territorial U.S. airspace on January 28th. Yeah. The commander-in-chief, President Biden, wasn't notified until the fourth day of the incursion. And that shows an you know, inexplicable failure on the part of the senior leadership in the Pentagon to brief uh, the commander in chief on an obvious threat. And as you point out, um, you know, once this got into the lower 48 states, then there was the issue of, of uh, harm to people on the ground if they shot this down. Now, if I were President Biden, I would have shot it down over Montana. But that is not an unreasonable reaction to wait until South Carolina. But what was unreasonable was for the Pentagon not to tell Biden 
while they could have shot this down over Alaska or Western Canada, where there was no people, no people, no pro uh, property um, structures uh, um, there. So that shows the Chinese that there's a real problem in the Pentagon. But how does that translate to something that is happening uh, thousands of miles away? So here we have a really embarrassing incident over U.S. territory in our sovereign airspace. When it comes to Taiwan, is it just, hey, look, guys, they can't even decide in a matter of days how to deal with an incursion? How do you think they're going to deal with us sending our paratroopers or our landing craft to your shores? Is, is, is there a, a more explicit connection? No, I, I think that what you said is absolutely right. Um, it, it shows the failure of the Pentagon to understand um, the Chinese threat. And whether that threat is Japan, Philippines, India, Taiwan, um, South Korea, or the United States, it, it just showed um, you know, general officers not being able to make decisions which, um, they, they made decisions which I can't explain. Yeah, we uh, we will uh, reprise that cut from the current chairman of the Joint Chiefs later in the show that may help explain it. In the meantime, follow our special guest here on America First, one-on-one -on, -one, on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang. The latest book is The Great China, U.S.-China Tech War from Encounter. It's one of their superb broadside monographs. This is the Salem News Channel. If you enjoy the show, make sure that you subscribe. Never, ever miss any of our deep dives. It's super easy. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple Podcasts. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Leave us a five-star review and share the links with your friends. That is how we get the truth out there. Likewise, if you are America First, First, you've got to demonstrate it. You've got to wear it. You've got to have it in your pocket. What do I mean? Check out all the amazing America First gear at our website. The hottest selling item, sadly, to this very day, released jointly with the great Chris Plant, is the FBI T-shirt. But this time, it stands for Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. Get yours today at SebGorkaStore.com. Our latest item is the Elon Musk T-shirt and mug. Hashtag Twitter files. All the things we're learning about the censorship of conservatives. Are you paying attention and you asked for it we designed it and it's now available you should have one in your pocket it is the america first challenge coin with president trump with our logo america first and our catchphrase stay frosty all of that and all of my books from defeating jihad to why we fight in the war for america's soul available at sebgorkastore.com that's s-e-b-g-o-r-k-a sebgorkastore.com i i think the the motivation intent's clear here they want to to get imagery, get intelligence on our military capability, particularly nuclear. Um, and they're building quite a nuclear stockpile themselves. Uh, why do they want to do this? Well, they're preparing. Uh, if they don't uh, win the elections in Taiwan next January, they are preparing for a military conflict. And they're trying to collect information about our military capabilities in the United States in preparation for that conflict. That is Michael McCall. That is the uh, Republican member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee talking about the connection between the Chinese overflights and a military action by the CCP in Taiwan. Uh, Gordon, let, let's let's pull back a little bit. Let's put it into the broader strategic context of trend lines and peaks in activity. 
many accusations were made after the initial incursion that, oh, well, this happened under the Trump administration and he didn't do anything about it. We had my former colleague, former U.S. defense attache in Beijing, who was the senior director of strategy and planning in the NSC under the Trump administration. And uh, General Spaulding said, Well, that's strange because I was the head of strategy and planning in the National Security Council for President Trump. And if there had been any incursions under our watch, the Defense Department didn't tell us. Either Mark Milley or the Secretary of Defense, Mattis, failed to inform the commander in chief, who is the elected chief executive of the United States. How does how do the balloon incursions fit into the last few years of U.S.-Sino relations? Is this a spike? Is it unusual? Is it indicative of, of heightened military tension? Or is it something that we weren't paying attention to, but because you know, a photographer in Montana paid attention to the sky, suddenly it's a big deal? Yeah. The balloon incursions that occurred during the Trump administration were not noticed by the Pentagon itself which is the reason why General Spaulding wasn't informed. Um, and that's because they appeared to be, I guess, anomalies in um, their radar capture. And uh, they just didn't know what to make of it. Um, but after this big spy balloon intrusion, um, the Pentagon said they went back on, on all the material they collect, all the data they collected. They ran it through different filters and they realized that they had incursions Um uh, and that's how um, they have been able to track these most recent three incursions, because they're now looking at a broader range of radar signatures and finally realizing that they that they came here. That's fascinating when you think about it, because it means that the Chinese were surveilling us without our knowing about it from our own skies. And that means Americans shouldn't really feel safe even in their own country. And the fact that... Uh... They went, apparently the three that were shot down at the weekend were much, much, much smaller, the size of a small vehicle, a small car, as opposed to the prior one that traversed the nation, which was at least 200 foot wide. Does that in and of itself indicate a potential escalation that the Chinese feel so emboldened that now they're going to send through something that's 10, 12 times larger than any prior surveillance vessel? Oh, absolutely. Um, this shows um, it can be a number of things, Seb. Um, for instance, it could be the Chinese military, which is now politically powerful in Beijing, just decided that they were going to do this on their own. Uh, and the Chinese military is extremely hostile, extremely anti-American. Or it could be Xi Jinping, as we talked about, uh, trying to humiliate the United States. It could be Xi, Xi Jinping trying to distract everyone from his domestic policy failures. Or it could be uh, the first attempts to intimidate the United States um, not to get involved in a Taiwan conflict, for instance, because China would use its nuclear weapons. Um, There are any number of different explanations. None of them are good. All of them are ominous. And that means, as you point out, this could be the initial stages of a kinetic war. Let's look at one uh, piece of the jigsaw puzzle. That is the man who is currently the most senior military officer in the United States when he was chief of staff of the army in combats in a camouflage uniform. He had this to say at a public event. Play cut. Uh, China's not an enemy. Uh, And I think that's important for people to clearly understand. Uh, China is a rising power. 
China has been a rising power since uh, Deng Xiaoping in 79, and uh, they are going to develop themselves and are developing themselves uh, into a great power. That is not to say, however, that they are an enemy. They are not our enemy. They are a great power. That is not what I learned when I was in the White House and I read the uh, intelligence assessments for President Trump. Uh, I'm curious, can can you give us some kind of uh, uh, sense of of what Beijing, the CCP, the People's Liberation Army, the Communist Party think when they hear that from somebody who is now the most senior officer in the United States, General Mark Milley? Do they say... Well, that means that this is now a tributary nation. This is now a supplicant. Do they think that, well, our information campaign, our disinformation campaign has worked on him? How do they read that kind of public statement from the man who is meant to make sure that we are ready for war? Yeah, I think that cut was from 2016. And in 2016 or so, that was generally considered to be um, the view in Washington and and American policy circles. I think it was wrong then, um, but Milley was in in very good company. Um, What we have right now, though, it's clear that China is not a competitor, as President Biden says. Um, They're not even an adversary, which Biden won't use that term. Um, They are an enemy, and we should be using the same term for them that they use for us. because they have declared a quote-unquote people's war on us. They did that in May 2019. That has a, that's a phrase which has great significance in Communist Party lingo. And I hope that, that Milley wouldn't say that today, but I'm afraid that he would. Yeah, you have to check out our special guest's most recent publication from Encounter Books. It is the great U.S.-China tech war. Follow him right now on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. That's Gordon G. Chang. We likewise are on all social media that matters. Follow us today. Go right now to Truth Social to Twitter, to Facebook, uh, Parler, Getter, Telegram. We're also on CloudHub, and you can watch us. Yes, we are also a televisual feast. Just go to SalemNewsChannel.com or download the app. That's SalemNewsChannel.com. And for my personal Substack, the easiest access to me directly and for unique content is SebastianGorka.Substack.com. That's SebastianGorka, my name, one word, .Substack.com. If you enjoy our show, please support it those who make it possible, like great patriots such as Mike Lindell, a friend of the president. He's under attack from the left. They wish to cancel him. You heard what the FBI did to him lately. Even Walmart have now banned his products, but you can't keep a good man down. He sold more than 71 million of his my pillows. Yeah, they're that good. And he's just launched the 2.0 with the latest cooling technology. The only pillow that never loses shape, never gets hot. Get yours today. Use my name for up to 66% off the other 150 plus items on his website, mypillow.com, or call in your order, 800-829-8468. That's mypillow.com. But you've got to use the secret code, the promo code G-O-R-K-A, mypillow.com, code G-O-R-K-A. Call today, 800-829-8468.
Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented the MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread, the MyPillow 2.0 is the softest and coolest pillow you'll ever own for my exclusive listeners that my pillow 2.0 has a buy one get one free offer with promo code gorka my pillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100 made in the usa and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee just go to mypillow.com click on the radio list of square for the buy one get one free offer enter promo code gorka or call 800-829-8468 that's code g-o-r-k-a goat today. Uh, you mentioned, of course, China. Uh, you mentioned the, count, the, the, the prevalent understanding of China prior to President Trump taking office that uh, oh, it's just a rising power. It's an amazing, huge market that U.S. companies should uh, exploit. There was for decades this idea that the more economically open China becomes, the more politically open it will become. That, of course, is proven to be fallacious. If you look at what Xi Jinping has recently done uh, for himself and basically anointed himself as the, the life emperor. Let, let's call, uh, call out some names here. Who's responsible for that? Where, where does this incredibly naive and, and just counterfactual analysis of the world's largest communist dictatorship begin? Was it Kissinger convincing Nixon to open to China and thus put a wedge between Beijing or Moscow? Who who sold us this bill of goods, Gordon? A lot of different people. Um, You know, you can go back um, to, for instance, uh, Richard Nixon's famous article in Foreign Affairs. And then, of course, uh, Nixon's overtures to China, 1972 trip. Kissinger was there. Um, And then Bill Clinton, um, Clinton talked about, um, you, you know, you can't nail jello to a wall, which was his reference to the Communist Party's inability to control information. But they've done a pretty good job of that, Seb, um, especially with those narratives that that you pointed out in the beginning. So um, this was this was failure across liberals and conservatives, um, Democrats and Republicans. You know, just about everybody believed it because this theory sounded good. Um, especially sounded good after the failure and the fall of the Soviet Union. People thought, oh, you know, this is, as Francis Fukuyama, the political <laughs> scientist said, this is the end of history. Right. Um, yeah, events will continue to occur, but democracy and free markets have won. Yeah, I, um, when I came into the White House, my, my brief, as I thought it would be, would be counterterrorism, and then it became a far, far broader remit. And when I started going to the, the meetings, uh, with the president at the NSC on China and so forth, um, I realized, yeah, he's right, that China is the number one strategic threat. And I looked at it as a Sisyphean task, just you know, literally you know, rolling a boulder uphill and then seeing it roll down every night and then having to roll it up again in the morning. I, I thought it would be hard, I mean, almost impossible to move Palo Alto, Silicon Valley, Google, Microsoft in the right direction. I think President Trump actually got us quite far in in waking up America 
question for you is, Gordon, do you agree and how much is the, 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 the balloon fiasco, as it were, a red pilling, a, a Sputnik wake-up moment for the rest of America that doesn't you know, eat and drink geopolitics every day like we do? Yeah, I, I think Sputnik moment is, is a perfect analogy. You know, going back to October 1957, um, the, the Russians launched the first artificial satellite. I can remember my dad taking me out into the backyard at night looking for Sputnik. Wow. Um, and, and that, re- yeah, that's, I'm, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> but the point is that uh, this, the Chinese are driving us um, in directions that many people don't want to go. Um, but I think people are starting to see this. And to answer the first question you asked, yes, it was President Trump who was the first one to view China in a different light. Because what China, what, what uh, Trump did was he did not buy into the quote unquote engagement theory. Trump saw America first. Trump was not um, hostile to working with China, but only when it was in America's interest. So this is a fundamental change in thinking. And Trump did move us in a fairly important, uh, it was a fundamental change. And I think that what we saw was a fair movement towards um, a much better policy. If he had another four years, um, I think we would be where we need to be. But the other thing that's interesting is that for all of Biden's problems, um, Biden has adopted many of Trump's policies, not all of them, of course, on, on China, but some of the important ones. And that shows you Trump's influence on American foreign policy. Another four years um, for Trump, and, and we'll be okay. Yeah, because I, I don't see another politician out there who will be uh, as tough on China as uh, my former boss was. We're talking to Gordon Chang. Follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. This is America First, coming to you from just outside the insalubrious, fetid, noisome, rank swamp that is Washington, D.C., from the relieffactor.com studios. If you're in daily pain, if you've tried everything else and failed to find relief, you owe it to yourself to try this amazing product that is liberating half a million Americans from their daily pain, me included. But it's not just me. It's people like Yvonne from California. This is Yvonne's story. Both my husband and I are in our 70s and are so grateful to have found relief factor. We tried so many other solutions, but none of them have given us the freedom of being pain-free like relief factor. Just those two words, pain-free, should be reason enough for you to order the three-week quick starter pack for the paltry sum of $19.95 at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less, taking morning and evening like I do, and I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me, Yvonne, and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. You deserve to know if you could be the next success story. Ask yourself one question. What have you got to lose? I mean, apart from the pain, nothing. Correct? Call today. 800-500-8384. You owe it to yourself. ReliefFactor.com. That number again. 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact.
Dear friends, you have been incredibly, incredibly generous. I'd like to ask for your help one more time. It is the last chance possible in our abbreviated campaign to assist those who are suffering right now in Turkey and Syria. You heard the latest details, absolutely shocking. The death toll has risen to over 30,000 men, women, and children. If you can afford just $20 or $100, you may literally be saving lives. These people are in dire, dire need, and the amazing people from Food for the Poor are reaching out right now, getting needed food and medical supplies to those who have been dispossessed, have lost their homes, and are now being cared for by the emergency services. Make a difference today. Please go to my website, sevgorka.com, and click on the Help Turkey and Syria banner at the top. It's the big red banner. Make a donation for any amount. It is tax deductible. That's Help Turkey and Syria. Please go today, or you can just text my name, G-O-R-K-A, to the following number, 91999. That's my name, G-O-R-K-A, and please text that to 91999, or just go to com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, com, and click the Help Turkey and Syria banner for those who are suffering as a result of that huge earthquake. All right. Um, you said something very, very telling previously, Gordon, that is commonplace for dictatorships, for authoritarian regimes that um, have internal problems and then point at an external enemy. They want to distract from the very severe internal issues, especially when you have a command economy uh, and it is on, you know, at the brink of collapse. We saw that with the Soviet Union and elsewhere. You said... Xi Jinping um, has serious domestic issues. Could you talk to us about um, those domestic issues and perhaps give us a sense of of how fragile that regime could be? Xi Jinping's signature domestic policies, most of them have been reversed. So, for instance, zero COVID was abandoned on December 7th by the National Health Commission. Um, And that was just shortly after he had doubled down in a very public speech supporting zero COVID. That, um, that, that, that in a, let's stop there for a second. That in and of itself is a massive marker because dictatorial regimes very rarely say, oops, we were sorry. That's a big deal. It's enormously big deal because the Chinese people are furious. The Chinese people went through three years of zero COVID, which is the strictest disease control measure this side of North Korea. Um, And essentially what happened was um, officials tried to prevent every transmission of this disease and went to extraordinary lengths to do that. Chinese people accepted that, um, although they were many times, you know, we saw, for instance, in the videos from Shanghai that they just burst out. But by and large, they accepted it. But when the National Health Commission abandoned the policy, the narrative across China was, why did we go through three years of zero COVID and now the regime is letting disease rip? And by RIP, I mean that they admitted to about 800 million infections, and it's probably a lot more within a very short period of time. And probably there'll be somewhere between one and two million deaths this winter from COVID in China. And the Chinese people are furious. So, But it wasn't just zero COVID, Zeb. It was Xi Jinping's Common Prosperity Program, which he stood behind. He talked about it all the time. Now the regime doesn't mention it at all, which is an indication it's been abandoned. And then the tech crackdown, which again was Xi Jinping's stamp on 
on domestic policy, that has been at least partially alleviated. So we're seeing um, changes that are inexplicable, other than to say that Xi Jinping has, his policies have been repudiated, which means that his system, if his policies are repudiated, he's been repudiated, which means that he needs a way to strike out against his um, Communist Party adversaries. And one way to do that is a war. We saw his hero, Xi Jinping's hero, Mao Zedong, do the same thing with the Cultural Revolution. He launched Mao launched the Cultural Revolution, a decade-long campaign that almost destroyed China because Mao wanted to get after um, Communist Party senior leaders who had abandoned his policies. So we're seeing the same thing. And and what about the the Uyghur phenomena? What we saw earlier, the 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 trains being filled with people uh, against their will, has that been tamped down? Is that under control, or is that still of concern to the dictator? That is that's still ongoing. Um, there has been no let up in the genocidal campaign against Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and other Turkic minorities. Um, these are crimes against humanity. Um, there has been people, I mean, millions, um, between one and 3.3 or so million detained in concentration camps. We know people are dying in those camps, basically executed, because China actually built a crematorium between two of these uh, concentration camps. Rape is a matter of official policy. Um, children are put in prisons. Um, this is the most horrific policies since the Third Reich. Um uh and, and let me ask you one, one more before I, I ask for, for some concluding remarks. There, there's a story about this. It's not even a, an, a real estate bubble. It's these whole ghost cities. I've got an image of one here where real estate exploded in the last few decades and people bought properties and then nobody moved in and the market collapsed. Is this tenable? What, what, how is this happening in China that they can so not manage the economy, that they literally have cities that are empty, Gordon. Yeah, um, this is one of the reasons why the Chinese people are unhappy. Um, Zero COVID, stumbling economy, which is probably contracting, and plunging property prices. Property prices are so important for people's mentality because about 70% of the wealth of the Chinese middle class is tied up in those apartment units. And those apartment units, you can't sell them because no one wants to buy them. And if you could, the property, the prices have fallen so far. So you got an illiquid market. The reason they could do it, Seb, was because they have they control everything. It's, it's a controlled economy. So they can just do things by fiat, even though they may ne- make no economic sense. These dictatorships, ironically, sooner or later become incredibly fragile. See what happened to, uh, to Ceausescu in Romania in the space of just a few days in the December of 1989. We're talking to Gordon Chang. Follow him right now on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang. Thanks to your support, dear friends. Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel conservative economy, and they have big news. They now offer service with all three major networks. That means if you're with the big three and like the service, but hate their values, you can access them through the only Christian conservative cell phone company in America, Patriot Mobile. If you're not happy with their coverage, they have a performance guarantee. You can switch between the three major carriers for free. What an amazing deal. 
Switch today. You can keep your old number. They are on your side. They love America as much as you do. In 2023, resolve to stop supporting companies that do not align with your values. Why would you fund companies that hate America and give millions of dollars to to things like Planned Parenthood and gun control organizations. Their 100% U.S.-based customer support team is superb. Use my name for free activation. Special discounts for veterans and first responders. Make the switch today, 972-PATRIOT, or just go to patriotmobile.com slash G-O-R-K-A. That's 972-PATRIOT, patriotmobile.com slash G-O-R-K-A. All right, I could do this uh, for hours with you, Gordon. We will have an opportunity to continue in person at the biggest conservative convocation of the year, imminently at CPAC. Can't wait to see you there, Gordon. But uh, uh, right after the balloon fiasco, you came on my show for a brief uh, you know, discussion of what should happen. <laughs> None of what you said should happen occurred, but I would like you just in case someone by accident inside uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue lands on this program or has this, this uh, interview sent to them, you had at least three or four very concrete things that the American government should do after this aerial incursion and this surveillance overflight. Would you repeat those uh, policy recommendations? We need to impose costs on China. So, for instance, I'd have the president of the United States publicly declare that we will defend Taiwan, um, move troops there as a tripwire, um, base some supplies there on an emergency basis, what we should have done in Ukraine. I think we should close China's four remaining consulates in the U.S., and we should strip the embassy staff down to just the ambassador. We need to get all of these Chinese spies out of our country. And by the way, while we're at it, Let's make sure that no party from China owns U.S. real estate. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, farmland, ranch land. The only the only Chinese parties I would allow to own ranch land and farmland would be those who have um, submitted papers to become a U.S. citizen. But apart from that, I'd say it's time to expropriate that farm and ranch land. And what about all these former uh, institutes of Confucianism that were actually hotbeds for Chinese CCP penetration of U.S. colleges and schools. I know some of them have changed their names. What's what's the status of these subversive institutions in America? The Confucius Institutes, they were about 118 or so. Um, they're now only about 10. But as you point out, a lot of them have been rebranded. And also, even more important are the Confucius classrooms in our secondary schools. We need to eliminate every single one of them and make sure they don't come back in another form. Yeah, yeah. He has concrete recommendations. Is anybody listening amongst the powers that be? Uh, I doubt it, given the fact that the president's son got a $1.2 billion deal from the National Bank of Communist China, despite Hunter Biden having no background in finance in Asia or in anything else except Russian prostitutes and uh, drug taking, which is why he was kicked out of the Navy. Yes, he was actually day one, failed a drug test. We've been talking to Gordon Chang, the man who knows, the author of the great U.S.-China tech war. Follow him right now at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. This is America First. Make sure you never miss any of our one-on-ones. Go right now to your favorite podcast platform. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gawker, America First. Subscribe. The cost is right. 
costs you nothing. Leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends because we have not only a republic to save, we have a civilization to vouchsafe. I'm Sebastian Gorka. You've been listening to the Salem News Channel. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty. Fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. Welcome, dear friends. Happy Tuesday. Yes, indeed. This is America First coming to you live across the nation from the Salem News Channel studios just outside the insalubrious, noisome swamp that is Washington, D.C. We have an absolutely packed show for you today. We'll be joined by Gordon Chang, the latest analysis on the Beijing Biden balloon fiasco. Lord Conrad Black also on the inability of the national security enterprise of the United States to deal with the threat. My former Newsmax buddy, former NRA spokesperson Grant Stinchfield will be with us. And then we will discuss the breaking news, the first of which happened this morning at about 8 a.m. A former ambassador to the United Nations, member of the Trump administration, Nikki Haley, announced that she is running for the highest office in the land. Here's a little clip from her campaign ad, Cut 7. We must turn in that direction again. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal. But that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. Are you excited? Are you excited? There's a little problem with that. Uh, two years ago, just two years ago, when asked about running for the presidency in 2024, this is what Nikki Haley said at a televised press conference. Cut to. He still has a lot of popularity. If he runs again in 2024, will you support him? Yes. If he decides that he's going to run, would that preclude any sort of run that you would possibly make yourself? I would not run as President Trump. 
I would not run if President Trump ran in 2024. Well, he announced, he announced last year at Mar-a-Lago that he's running. So were you lying two years ago? Are you lying now? If President Trump can't trust you, why should Americans trust you? Um, Eric, when you played that video cut, um, you didn't seem too excited about Ambassador Haley's announcement. Even beyond all the other reasons we've talked about before why I don't like Nikki Haley, the one thing that bothers me the most about that video, she repeats that talking point of Republicans have lost the popular vote seven out of the last eight times. Like, okay, one, electoral college, that's not how it works in America. Two, the one exception, the last Republican to win the popular vote was Bush Jr. in 2004. So does that mean, oh, we need to go back to a Bush-era Republican party? Don't you understand, Eric? That's who she is. That's, that's, that's the whole point. She's sending you a hidden message there. Jeff, um, are you surprised? What does this mean? Is she angling for the Veep spot, or does she just have an ego bigger than her IQ? Uh, I think it's got to be the vice president thing. I think she even knows that she doesn't have a chance. I mean, to beat Trump in the Republican primary... You're out of your mind. There's no way. Well, Chris Sununu, I mean, he probably thinks he can beat Trump, right? Oh, he loves it. He keeps talking about how um, every time they bring it up, they mention DeSantis or Trump. He's like, you know, there's other people that are running for president, too. There's some other guys that might get in there. Yeah, like John Bolton. Here's a photograph, just to remind all of you, of who Nikki Haley is. This was taken not long after she left the Trump administration at a public event where she's yucking it up, grinning, a big toothy grin, standing next to who? Oh, yeah. That's John Brennan. John Brennan, Obama's former director of the CIA, who voted for Gus Hall, the communist, the communist candidate for the president, a man who called her former boss treasonous. That's all you have to know about Nikki Haley and who she is. She's not a conservative. She's a swamp-dwelling rhino. All right, we mentioned a story yesterday that I now have the, um, the background documentation for. It's from our buddy uh, John Sullivan at justinnews.com. I have in front of me an unclassified FBI memo that was leaked from the FBI offices in Richmond. And I just want to mention it to you. Uh, It's about Catholics, but even if you're not a Catholic, this should uh, rock you to your core because it is the targeting of your fellow Americans because of their religion. This is uh, unclassified FBI use, uh, F-O-U-O for official use only, interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists in radical, traditionalist, Catholic ideology certainly presents new mitigation opportunities. Now, that's, that's government you know, verbiage. It's garbage. First things first, let's just note the inherent consistency. Radical traditionalist. How can you be a radical traditionalist? Either you're a traditionalist or you're a radical. A radical is opposed to tra- tradition, and a traditionalist doesn't like anything radical. It doesn't matter. These are um, the, the geniuses at the FBI. Let me just read to you the opening sentence. FBI Richmond assesses the increasingly observed interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists in radical traditionalist Catholic ideology. They summarize that with the acronym RTC. They are linking those who believe in traditional Catholic values to violent extremism. In the footnote, 
analyst's note unclassified. Note, radical traditionalist Catholics are typically characterized by the rejection of the Second Vatican Council as a valid church council, disdain for most of the popes elected since Vatican II, particularly Pope Francis and Pope John Paul II. What? Really? (laughs) And frequent adherence to anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ and white supremacist ideology. The FBI is linking Catholics who have a traditional stance to white supremacy. Now, I don't care if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, if you are um, any other denomination, Greek Orthodox, whether you're a Quaker, whether you're a Shaker, this should chill you to the bone. Not simply because of the rank amateurism that this mm, six-page, seven-page memo has as its source material only one source, the radical left-wing Southern Poverty Law Center that is tied to violent acts itself, real violent acts, such as the assault on the Family Research Council here in Washington, D.C. But because if a Catholic can be surveilled, can be targeted by the most powerful federal law enforcement agency in the world because of their religious beliefs, so can you. You're safe if you're an atheist, I guess, if you are a member of Antifa or BLM rioting across the nation causing $2 billion worth of damage. But if you believe a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and marriage is between a man and a woman, and homosexuality is a sin, remember Christianity is clear, whatever denomination you are of, you love the sinner and hate the sin. There is nothing anti-LGBTQ about Catholics or anybody else who believe in Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ was clear. That's why he supped with prostitutes and tax collectors, because he didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save the wicked and the fallen who repented. Wake up, America. If you believe in eternal values, they're coming for you. Cleave to the truth. Never censor yourself and stand up for what you believe in. I'm Sebastian Gorka. We've only just begun. This is America First. Never, ever miss any of our one-on-ones. We have a very special one for you today. Go right now to your favorite podcast platform. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple Podcasts. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Make sure that you are subscribed. It's free. Share the links with your friends. Leave us a five-star review. It does make a difference. We'll be back after these messages. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.